Artcentric Podcast with Rafi and Klee. Hola, you amazing artists. It's Rafi and Klee. And today we are going to venture into the realm of facing down self-doubt. <laughs> bum, bum, bum. As we introduced this podcast, I almost forgot to say my name. I just wanted to admit that publicly. You almost forgot to say your name. Was it because you forgot your name or? No, it was more like I forgot what to do in that moment. And then I was like, oh, yeah, my name. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. If you you guys listening to this at home, Clee and I are feeling a little bit not as not, a little under the weather, um, a little less vibrant than we usually are. But we're going to try to keep our spirits up during this podcast because the subject that we're talking about has a lot to do with, um, or not a lot to do. I I feel like talking about self-doubt is essentially talking about how to overcome any and every obstacle that you're going to run into and when you're trying to do something creative with your life, when you're trying to make a career out of art, when you're doing anything, when you're moving forward in the world. Because yeah. I would say that that over the course of my career as an artist, self doubt has been the thing. The, the it's it's been the primary obstacle in everything, every choice, every decision, every time I broke out of a comfort zone, every time I tried something new, every time I interacted with people, like any time that I was working on art and just looking at the art, self doubt is that thing, that thing that can make or break your art career. Definitely. Lady K said when the self doubt hits so hard, you forget your name. <laughs> yeah, raise your hand if that's ever happened. Um, Aurora said being under the weather must be going around. It hit me after I got back from Pittsburgh. Oh, Indeed, some crud yeah. is going around. There is crud. Um Admittedly, I have been at times so full of self-doubt that I forgot my name or I forgot like what, you know, like the talky talky skills just left me. <laughs> it's funny. Moment. It's funny because I think that that's the biggest thing that people run into. You know, like I hear a lot of people that do art shows and um, or like are showing their art. And then they get really nervous. They're like, I don't know. I, what do I say? How do I talk about my art? Like, I, I don't have anything to say or like, I don't like people or I don't want to interact and whatever. And really, at the end of the day, it comes down to self-doubt. That's what it was for me, especially in the beginning, where you're you feel like an imposter. Like, I don't know anything about art. Like, how am I supposed to talk about my art? Yeah. Or thinking that there is a specific way that it's supposed to be versus realizing that like it doesn't no it doesn't matter it's just your way however it is that you want to whatever it is that you want to say it's all okay i think that's a key component in overcoming self-doubt let's just launch from there uh the idea that there's a right way and a wrong way to approach something is inherently tied to self-doubt like you're gonna this up yeah you're gonna get this wrong and everyone's gonna laugh at you and Every, shun you everyone's gonna know that you're just you know not you know that you don't know what you're doing and all this stuff um everybody's gonna know that you're you're dumb you know like there's that's so a, many that's things a very real fear it is um, it really is so i think that um accepting and adopting the idea that your way is the right way and even if you have a misstep that's still the way you're still on the. You're still blazing your own trail. This is the way. This is the way. Uh, uh, by the way, you guys, if you hear us reading comments, we are reading comments from our amazing rogue artist family who are here with us right now with their brilliance, their questions, and everything else. They're the ones that make these podcasts so much fun. These are artists from all around the world, and I love getting their insights into the subjects that we're talking about. Yes. So Anhand said, I'm going through self-doubt, and I'm just designing stickers and T-shirts. Yeah, right. That's awesome. And um, sometimes the best thing you can do, especially if you've had like uh, experience after experience where you're feeling doubtful, is to reach for something that makes you feel more good. Yeah. <laughs> or more like a badass. Or getting to a place, I feel like in that particular, because on hand, I've gone through the same exact thing. Like I'll be, I'll sit there and I'm like designing a t-shirt. You know, we have like, we, we come up with t-shirt ideas all the time and I'm designing a t-shirt or wanting to design stickers and immediately I'm second guessing everything, right? Like I think that the design is cool and I think self-doubt really starts coming in 
when you start looking at your project through the eyes of someone else, right? Like totally. The, this this amorphous idea of the people out there. What are people going to think, right? It's like we kind of generalize everybody into. Um, I think I think we don't even realize that we do this sometimes. We generalize everyone else into the biggest critic in the world that is just a reflection of our own critic, right? Mm -hmm. Based on outside of us. Because I could look at a design of mine or a painting of mine and I love it. I'm like, that is really amazing. And then think, what will other people think? And immediately I start criticizing myself. It's almost like you open up this road into your own self-criticism and it's acknowledging that, like, if you like it, then other people out there are going to like it. Because the fact of the matter is there are going to be plenty of people that don't like it. Mm -hmm. They're going to look at your sticker designs. They're going to look at your paintings. They're going to listen to your music and think to themselves, this sucks. I don't like this. One of the biggest things that I have developed for myself and that I reach for in moments of extreme doubt or even shame um, and this is still very much a work in progress for me. But the idea is that you're people. You are people. People are you. People are no different from you. And people are, their their opinions are no more important than your opinion. We're all the same creature. And so this extra weight that we put on the opinions of other people kind of doesn't make sense because we're people. If that makes sense, we're all dots on a bigger dot. And sometimes I think the word people um, can have this tone of seriousness and um, can be scary when really we're all just people. Yeah. If that makes sense, it's very hard to explain. But the idea is that you're leveling the playing field there and you're understanding that um, other people's judgments don't have to be so important. I think I think what happens, uh, I think one of the things that happen, I'm not going to claim to know what happens, um, but I think one of the things that happens, because I recognize this in my own life, is that um, we don't, we, we kind of grow up in a world of comparison, right? Everybody's kind of comparing these things to other things. Um, I think about it because your mom can't come here without comparing um, where we live to Michigan to Michigan. And, you know, it's always, <laughs> oh, my God, it looks just like blah, blah, blah. This looks just like that. And so many times, like I create something. And it's like that looks just like that. Da, 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 da. It's like people get very used to this comparison game. Right. And when something looks just like that, one of them has to be better than the other. You know what I mean? Like one of them has to be better than the other because that's the way we get trained. And because of that, I think that we have a hard time trusting our choices when it comes to our own stuff. And not only that, but we grow up in this environment where it's like you um, if you like what you do and you boast about what you do, then you're being boastful. Then you're being you know, it's like there's this mm -hmm. negative connotation I remember I had this conversation with an artist where we were sitting in a gallery. It was a gallery that I was a part of. We were sitting in a gallery and I remember saying like, I love my, I love my art. Like I absolutely love my art. It's the reason that I create it. It's the reason that I put it out there. And this person looked at me and said, you're not supposed to love your own art. Or at least you're not supposed to say it out loud. And they said, yeah, you're not supposed to say that out loud. Like, you know, like, that's not okay. And I was like, why is that not okay? You and then know? they said, oh, because it's just a little bit arrogant, don't you think? Yeah, it's arrogant to love your own art. And I was like, no, I don't think it's arrogant because I'm not saying I love my art better than your art. You know what I mean? Like, I just, I love art. And of course, I'm going to create stuff that I love. There might be some things out there that I, you know, that aren't my jam, but it doesn't mean that my art is better than their art. When I say I love my art, I'm not comparing anything. I'm just saying I love my art. Yeah. You know, it doesn't make it better or worse than things that I don't like. But we are kind of trained into what we believe is humility. And I think that humility is awesome and very important to remain um, humble and not um, arrogant. But I think that sometimes those words are thrown around in a way that doesn't really fit 
because you can be humble and you can still really love what you do and be proud of it. Yeah, arrogance is being like, my art is the best art in the world. Screw all other artists. Like, their artwork sucks. Like, I don't understand. And usually arrogance is not even real. It just comes in as a defense mechanism because this person is afraid of getting rejected. And if they don't get rejected, then it's because, you know, because it is life is a competition. Life Mm -hmm. is a competition. Being an artist is a competition. All these things. And so, like, you start to really view yourself on this level of is it good or is it bad? Yeah. Versus just like. Do I, I, I love this. There are some pieces that I've created that I love a little bit less than some of the other pieces. Some pieces I'm like, this is effing amazing. And some pieces I'm like, yeah, it's good. It's good enough. So I would say like arrogance is actually still on the self-doubt stick. Yeah. It's just in a different spot because arrogance is still comparison. Just yeah. like self-doubt is comparison. Whereas you can have pride in your work and self-confidence and it doesn't require comparison yeah and so it's really getting off of the comparison stick and into your own realm where you're less affected by external factors and you can be it's a sliding scale whether you're comparing or not comparing that's very well put that is very well put sarah said i blame the public school system and sarah you're not wrong because we do get trained into comparison and judging and grading um, and hope, I think that that's changing a little bit over time. Um, I little slowly, very slowly, slowly, but it's cool to see things like Montessori schools and more individualized ways of learning being becoming more mainstream instead of just herding kids through yeah. this system. And unfortunately we've heard from a lot of educators that essentially what they want is people, you know, you, you just got to herd. You don't need to like them. You don't need to care. You just got to get them through the system. Yeah. And so because a lot of, a lot of funding is based on how, on those numbers, how many are you getting through the system and mm-hmm. what is their grade point? It's unfortunate because a lot of our rogue community are educators. A lot of our greater community are educators. And you as educators really want to help these kids develop their individual's uh, skills their in, in, and overcome their individual challenges. And, and, and their self build their self-esteem and get them. Yeah. yeah. And so many of you have expressed the red tape and the bureaucracy and the peer pressure from your um, administration to not do that. And so, yeah. And, and we've heard like it's soul sucking. And mm-hmm. that's the problem. If you're in a system that really sucks and you really want to do good, but then that life that you started in the first place with gets you allowed to get sucked out of you by the system. Then at that point, you know, the, it makes sense that there's a lot of educators that are just kind of, you know, feel um, a little helpless, at a times. little helpless at times. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Diego said self-criticism is what happens to me after I finish a piece and I start to pick it apart. Diego, that was part of my um, my M.O. Uh, in the beginning. Like I'd sit there and pick it apart. And the truth is that like you're always going to look at your art, always. At least this is my my reality. I always look at my art, no matter how amazing it is, and look at something and think to myself, mm, I could have done that better, right? But that's the thing. I leave it there. Like I'll do it better next time. That's essentially what I look at. It's good enough. And I'll do it better next time because it is it is much more difficult in the way that we are trained in life to look at something and be trained into picking out the things that you love. What are the things you know, it's almost like taking that nitpickiness and flipping it around from let me pick out the negative stuff to let me pick up the stuff that I pick out the stuff that I like. And really it is a mindset shift Mm -hmm. and it's, it's pretty much part of the same process. It's difficult to get there because what you're used to is if you're doing this with your art, what you're used to is creating something or uh, doing something or looking in the mirror or anything like that and just kind of nitpicking and picking it apart. And that's, that's a trained habit, right? That's something that we get trained into and understanding that like, yeah, this is what I've done for years. So it's going to take me some time to flip that around and train myself into looking at something and picking out the things that I love. 
automatically your brain is going to pick out the things that you don't like automatically. It's going to happen. Consciously, you get to pick out the things that you do love. Mm-hmm. Oh man, I really love how I did this. Oh man, I really love how I did that. You know, it's like, and then you kind of look at it and it's like, why did I do that? What does this mean to me? And and then you turn the conversation into one of exploration versus criticism, right? Self-criticism. Um, that's what's worked for me. It's been It's been something that I've slowly built up over the years, but it really helps me not only to not look at my artwork in a way that I don't want to look at my artwork in, but also allows me to investigate my work a little bit further. And then when the conversation does happen, it's, it's much more, it, it's much more seamless because I'm, I don't have to think about what I'm going to say because I've already spent time with my, my work. So you're slowly training yourself into a new way of communicating. Exactly. And even if you catch yourself being like, that sucks. Why did I do that? To reframe it as like, okay, all right, well I can do that better. Um, but before I can do that better, I have to do it like that. Yeah. Uh, and so it's a work, it's always a work in progress. Um, let's see. I lost my place here on the ticker tape. Uh, Jay said, I struggle with having a lot of doubt every time I start viewing work from other artists. Oh, Jay. That's a trap that's really easy to fall into. It is really easy to fall into. Mm -hmm. A good example is, uh, you know, and you went through this when we were looking at the grant stuff, right? So, uh, I also did the same thing, but I was able to like reframe it pretty quickly. Mm -hmm. So one of the grants that I'm looking at, they have past winners and they show their work and what, what, uh, what work the grant funded. Yeah. So immediately I went through and I was looking at stuff and there's some like really innovative stuff. And my brain went into just automatically went into that thing where it's like, well, this kind of sucks compared to the project that I want to propose, but this one's really good. And, and then all of a sudden I just felt the complete and utter imposter syndrome. Mm -hmm. The thing about it is your artwork is yours. Their artwork is theirs, right? The, The truth of the matter is that somebody, no matter how great you think artwork is, when you look at it and you're doing that comparison game, you're going to criticize your work, right? That person may look at your work and criticize their own work, you know, And that's the thing. It never ends. No matter how great you feel about your artwork, if you play the comparison game, you are always going to be looking for an external source to feel good about your work, right? So that's where you compare your work. Oh, well, their work sucks. Like my work is better, right? Sure, that that sounds good on the surface, but that is a trap because then you have to utilize things outside of you in order to feel good about your work. And the moment that you see something that you think is better, then immediately you destroy that entire foundation that you've built about feeling good about your work. Mm-hmm. So if you are looking at other other people's art and using that as a measuring stick to feel good or compare your art, then you are in a trap that you have zero control over i totally uh fell prey to this the other day looking at looking at a jewelry grant which is framed as a grant but it's actually more of a competition where you submit your past work rather than a proposal for future work i did the thing where i looked at past winners and i consider my jewelry to be quite understated as far as its appearance and that's my aesthetic and looking at some of the past winners their pieces were so elaborate uh that i felt definite imposter syndrome like i don't know how i could begin to pull off this type of sculptural work and jewelry nor is that my aesthetic and i actually found myself saying that's not even practical that kind of jewelry so even me who is always working towards not doing the comparison thing found myself actually saying negative things about this jewelry I was looking at. Well, that's not even practical, right? Uh, Just to soothe myself in that moment of imposter syndrome. So it really is a trap and it can be a trap like at any time, even if you're doing this kind of self-work. And so, you know, then, okay, I acknowledge that that happened uh, back to my own self-work of not doing that. My jewelry is not less than... It's just mine. It's different. Exactly. It is what it is. 
Uh, Lady K said, I just got into mini painting and I've been hypercritical of it since they don't look as good as other things, despite all the people saying it's great. Got to check the evidence. Right, right. And that's the thing. You you will always, if, the, the, the way that I look at it is if I always criticize my art um, or I have to meet a certain criteria in order not to criticize my art, but then I find myself criticizing my art anyway, all that tells me is that that's a habit that I formed, right? It's the same thing as somebody, um, you know, your your response to things really shows you where you're at as far as that. That's the way I look at it. Like if I respond this way, I'm responding that way because underneath this is what I believe. So I need to respond a different way that reflects a different way of looking at things. So I just see it as these habitual things. Um, it's the same thing as somebody coming up to you and telling you, Hey, there's this great opportunity that blah, 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 blah. And immediately your response is like, Oh, well, it doesn't work out. Like I can't, you know, it, it just, it's a, this doesn't, I'm, I'm not good enough or like they would never accept blah, blah, blah because of this and this and this criteria. And it's like, it allows you to look at your responses and then your overall state. Like, Am I really being kind of a downer? Am I being negative when it comes to, you know, my response to things? Like, am I responding negatively to my art? Like, listen, there's going to be plenty of people out there in the world that don't like the art that you create. And there's going to be plenty of people out there that do like the art that you create. And that's great. That's fine and dandy. But at the end of the day, what really ultimately matters is like what you think about your art. Mm -hmm. And if you are simply just kind of going with the flow and allowing yourself to respond to your art negatively, just because that's the habit that you form, that's where I stop and I look at stuff. Right. And it's not like you take care of it once and like forevermore, you look at your artwork and you're like, my artwork is great. Like you got to work on it with every single thing that you do Mm -hmm. and be honest with yourself. There are some pieces that I'm like, I don't really dig that one. Right. And then there are there, you know, but if there's anything that I dig about it, then that's what I'm going to focus on. That's what I'm going to focus on. Ginny said the everybody poops school of thought. Yes. Yes. At its core, what I was trying to express was the everybody poops school of thought. And kind of this idea, which I know, Ginny, like you've touched on many occasions and I kind of live in this space or I try to of like, we're all the same creature and we all have collectively come up with these rules of the game that we play and we all kind of agree on them, but that doesn't make external opinions any more important. And if anything, it it does level that playing field to remember that on hand said, funny enough, except for my wife's critiques, my imaginary critic is often harder to hear than real critics. That's great. It often can be. I want to kind of dive into why our imaginary critic is such a a to us sometimes. (laughs) Like, what's the reason for that? I have two ideas that kind of exist on that. One is um, the way you imagine something in your mind and what actually comes out (laughs) in tangible form don't always match up. And sometimes it can be really discouraging when you can't produce the thing that you imagine. That can be frustrating. And that's just a matter of getting a little better every time you do it. Yeah. Uh, I I think of it this way. It's like hand-eye coordination, right? Mm -hmm. So you go to freehand a circle, um, and sometimes the circle is amazing, like spot on. And then sometimes it's not. Well, the first time that you go to draw a circle, it's going to look like trash. However, when you look at that circle and you realize – the the reality is I've never tried to draw a circle before and I have no hand-eye coordination when it comes to drawing a circle. So this circle is amazing because it's capturing this moment in time in my life. You know what I mean? True. And that's the thing. It's like, you guys, truth and reality is a, an illusion. So basically things mean whatever it is that you decide that they mean for you. That's fine if other people have opinions and the – the, the main opinion is this or that. That's great. That's good for them. But when it comes down to it, how you look at your art is really determined by what it is that you decide 
when you look at your art. What is the story there? Why, why do I feel this way? That's why, although there might be a, a work that I'm like, meh, this is okay. I'm not going to destroy it in my brain because this is a moment in time right now for me. Yeah. And I love that perspective. And that flies in the face of the perspective that kind of births that self-criticism, which is this tendency to always think that we should be better than we are, that what we are right now isn't good enough. And it's not necessarily the same as striving to become better. It's this idea that we're always somehow falling short. And where does that come from? I think it's socialized into us. Definitely. Yeah. Um, the other kind of aspect of that self-critic being meaner or more scary or more hard to swallow than external factors, for me, and a lot of us have heard this and talked about this, is actually you're kind of deep down afraid that someone else is going to come at you with this in some way, shape, or form, and so you just do it to yourself to rip the Band-Aid off, and you do it a lot more brutally oftentimes than somebody else would because you've gotten used to taking your own shit and you're comfortable talking in mean ways to yourself. This is kind of a, a thing that's pervasive with humans. It's funny too because that doesn't actually help you. No, it doesn't. It doesn't solve the problem, right? There's a big difference between having that negative voice come in, into your head and then confronting it and being like, mm, you know, and getting to a place where you feel neutral about it. Mm-hmm. And just kind of beating yourself up and beating yourself up about this or about that. And you just kind of like let it go. And you're like, well, they're just my thoughts. And the problem is that when you do that, then if somebody in, you know, someone else comes in and they say the same exact things, that's where the button pushing happens. Mm -hmm. You know, it doesn't alleviate it. Whereas if you confront it within yourself, then if somebody else says it, you know, because if you don't confront it and you don't prove to yourself that that critical voice is not, no, no, this is not reality. This isn't true. What happens is the moment that somebody says it inside of you is like, oh, my God, they found me out. They, yeah. How do they know? They know. They know that I'm, I'm, I'm not good enough. They know that I'm not this. And it like really, really hurts. And that's why rejection is such a hard thing for some people because – you know, you haven't confronted. I It's taken me forever to get to a place where I could fill out grants and I could care less if I get the grant or not. You know what I mean? If I get rejected, it's not – I'm not going to – it's not going to destroy me like it would have uh, six years ago had I tried to do grants. But that's mm-hmm. only because I've worked on that critic. And even still, I'm dealing with imposter syndrome. Totally. You know, like it's it's just it's not one and done. And I want I yeah, this is not something to be ashamed of either, right? Sometimes we use our own shame and doubt to shame ourselves for having shame and doubt. It's like this Ouroboros of um it's not something to be ashamed of. It's something that just about everyone, but especially creative ones, go through. And it really is just like being less tolerant of your own naysayer in your head, your stick man, as we often call it, and little by little, like, argue with that. Argue with it out loud if you have to. Sometimes I have to argue out loud with it in order to make my point. And you may not want to do that because the stick man is saying people will think that you're crazy. You're going to look crazy. You're going to look crazy. People are going to think this. And, you know, that's where a lot of us, It's like paying attention to all these different nuances because a lot of us don't do things because it's almost like, what will the neighbors think? Yeah. What will other people think? You know, and then you concern yourself with all these imaginary things where you're thinking, you're looking at yourself through the eyes of these imaginary neighbors or people. And then you are thinking the worst things about yourself. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. What would the neighbors think if all of a sudden I just decide to dance in my yard and whatever? Like, will they think I'm crazy? Like, who knows what people will think? You don't know. Some people might think you're crazy. Some people will be like, oh, my God, that person is so free. <laughs> I love their energy or whatever. Like, you don't know. But if you find yourself constantly just attacking yourself negatively when you do think, what will the neighbors think? then that's where the work needs to happen. Mm-hmm, that's mm-hmm. where that's where it really needs to happen. Lady K said, taking pride in your work isn't the issue. Uh, pooping on other people's art and saying yours is the best is the prob. Be humble, but be confident in yourself. Exactly. That's exactly. 
That's the goal. That's the balance. If you're doing the if you're used to doing the comparison game, then at the core of it, you might be doing the thing that is just normal in this world, right? There's a hierarchy. There is a there has been a hierarchy since the days before kings and queens, right? Where it's like this person is better than this person is better than this person is better than this person then is better than this person. And then you have the lowest of the rung. We do that now with finances. People that are rich are here. People that are poor are here. We do this now with education. People that are here, here. There's always this comparison. You kind of grow up in that comparison. You're being judged in your classroom because you got an F, but that's an A student. So you know that that one's better than you and all this stuff. And it's like, you know, you get compared. And unfortunately for some of us, like family life also sucks because then you get compared to this sibling or that sibling or, you know, this friend or that friend. Mm -hmm. And like, it's just a world of comparison. And that comparison doesn't mean squat. It doesn't mean squat. It's not reality. It's just people's opinions. And opinions are like, you know, you know what opinions are like. Indeed. Aurora said, I grew up with an insanely critical parent. Mom still to this day believes that unless you can make tons of money at something it isn't worth doing, music and writing were just worthless crap. That is hella unfortunate for your mom. Yeah. <laughs> that is a shitty perspective. It's funny because when it comes to stuff like that, you could put a list together of people that, you know, uh, contradict that entire statement because there are plenty of people that have made tons of money writing and with music and stuff like that. And then that person will say, yes, but they were lucky. That's a great word that people love using mm -hmm. when they're, they were lucky or they were in the right place or they have talent. I, I've heard that one, which was l really hurtful because it was like, I was like, F you, you know, but like at the end of the day, if those statements, you grow up with those statements, you do have to contradict those statements because then they live within you and they add to your own self-doubt and they add to your own misery if, and if they add them. to your, yeah. And also in no way am I trying to downplay what it feels like to be raised that way. Oh no. Um, I know what that feels like. I and do it too. took me a long time to realize that I don't have to um, carry that with me and that's shitty for the person who believed that and tried to instill that in me, but that's not my problem anymore because I don't think that a fulfilling life has much of anything to do with financial gains. Yeah. Um, and if they choose to keep on believing that, then good luck. Yeah. <laughs> At the end of the day, Aurora, that comes from a mentality of um, money is the only way to money is the most important thing. Uh, that comes from the mentality of people that sacrifice happiness, right, in order to work a job that they hate or do, compromise their morals um, just to make money because they need to survive, right? And so someone is going to defend that and say, like, you can't do these frivolous things because look at the life that I've lived. I struggled. I had to uh, – I struggled to make ends meet. I struggled to this. Only because I had to do this because this is the only way that we would survive. Our caveman brains, we have associated money to everything that isn't, you know, shelter, food, warmth, all that stuff. Mm -hmm. Money is the main thing. And honestly, the mentality has been that because things, uh, you know, there's been a huge focus on that. And can you make money with anything? Of course you can. Mm -hmm. You know, that do you... There are things that have been so like the pet rock, things like that. Like, can you make money doing anything? Yes, you can. Yes, you can. That mentality, though, makes it very limited, mm -hmm. right? So your parent, your family is coming from a perspective where there is just one path. There's just one road. This is the way. This is what you have to do, even though you don't want to go down that path. This is what you have to do to survive. And they have blinders on to all the possibilities that exist. And I think that that's our biggest challenge as artists is to get rid of because we have those blinders because we grew up in that environment. And our challenge is to destroy, to demolish those blinders and start seeing all the opportunities that are out there because there are a lot of them, a lot of them.
Yeah, most definitely. And of course, money's not the the bad thing. No. We all like to have we like to have resources in order to keep doing what we're doing. And also, money is a tricky one because uh, I think one of the reasons that money is so desirable is because there's this idea that once you have enough of it, then you kind of don't have to care what other people think of you. That's why the term "fu" money exists. Right. Um, it's a certain level of wealth where you don't have to give a shit about other people's opinions, which I think is com- it's completely not true. Like if you give, no, if you're worried about opinions, uh, in when you don't have money, you're still going to be worried about other people's opinions. Honestly, just- it's based. It, it's still based in insecurity. A lot of people feel really confident and in, in themselves mm-hmm. because they have a lot of money. At, take the money away. Who are you? Yeah. You know, and like, really, that's at the core of it. It's like, I don't want to get rich for the sake of being rich, because I, I think about it. I've had conversations like that with uh, my cousin who's like, I want to be a millionaire. And I was like, why do you want to? Why does it have to be a million dollars? Why do you want to be a millionaire? Don't wouldn't you just be happy, like being able to support and pay for the things that you want and like and things like that? No, I want to be a millionaire. Why? Let's let's explore this a little bit further. And at the end of it, he wanted to be a millionaire because he wanted his father to be proud of him and to get off his back. And I was like, you don't need a million dollars to tell your father you know, to get off to your back. back. Off a little, yeah. yeah. And if you're, you're hoping to make that money so that your father is proud of you, let me tell you right now, that's not going to happen. You know, that's not going to happen. And then you're going to have to make more money and you're going to have to keep chasing this carrot in order to feel a certain way that you can feel right now in the place that you're in. Like if you are hoping that money is the Holy grail, that's going to get you out of the situation you're in, then you have locked yourself into a life where you are chasing that. And it's never enough. And it's never enough. Can you, is it possible for you to move the ticker tape just yeah. a slight bit? Um, a little bit more. Jay said, to avoid being too down on myself, I consider my work complete when I sign it and I won't touch it again. It allows me to look at it from the perspective of what I might do different next time. Beautifully, Jay. Beautifully put, Jay. That's Absolutely. That's perfect. Um, Lady K said, yeah, that was my stepdad too, super critical and stopped art for a time early on since I was told I'd be a starving artist. Thankfully, my mom kept encouraging me. That's awesome. It's good. It's good to have. I I had one encouraging member in my family. That was my grandfather. And I am super thankful for him because if it wasn't for him, I, I don't know where I'd be. You know, I'd like to think that I'd still be me, but I don't know where I'd be. I think some of my acts of defiance that propelled me forward in a creative way were because I didn't necessarily have any encouragement coming from external sources. Um, so that can that can fuel you too. acts of defiance in the face of discouraging. Exactly. Um, Shan Chan said, I'm currently feeling doubt because I got told that using a projector is cheating. I <laughs> use one to project my digital piece onto a larger canvas and sketch it and then paint it. And I see that a conversation is taking place here where um, Han said, uh, Norman Rockwell used a projector and um, Maxfield Parrish and yeah, so was using a camera obscura cheating? Uh, yeah, right. Uh, it's funny how people like to people like to point out where you're cheating, and I'm saying this in quotation marks, or you're cutting corners, and it's really easy to feel scared about that. Like someone's gonna catch you cheating, which almost suggests like, oh, you don't have you don't have skills. You're just like, I mean, there's this, this whole documentary on Vermeer using the, the, the mirrors and stuff to do stuff. Da Vinci used the mirrors. Um, yeah. you know, the two mirrors to like, look at the subject and get the lines where, where they're going to be. That's basically a projector. Like it's a tool. It, it's easy to nitpick and be like, well, if you do this, that's cheating. Or if you do that, that's cheating. So Basically, we could say anything we want. I think a lot of times people who aren't doing stuff because they don't have the courage to do it like to point at other people in that way and say, oh, well, that's not real because X, Y, and Z. Oh, absolutely. Mm -hmm. Um, I will tell you something that I um, am not proud of, but I would not hide this away. I was that person. So... For the majority of my life, I wanted to be an artist and I was not 
doing it. I was not pursuing it. Right. I was kind of half ass, very, very like eh, kind of kind of like showing things here and there. But I was super terrified of rejection and all that stuff. And what I ended up doing, what I would do is I would criticize other people's art. Right. So people that were in shows, I'd be like, well, that's not real art. That's not even like whatever abstract. I criticize abstract art for the longest time, right? But I wasn't doing any figurative art. I wasn't doing any, like, I was just criticizing things to make myself feel better, even though I wasn't the one putting myself out there. And that's why I say it's really easy to point a finger at someone that is in the arena, right? From the sidelines Mm -hmm. where you're safe and criticize them than to actually get into the arena. And that's why when people make comments like that, well, that's not, that's cheating. It's like, well, you don't, then you don't know what it means to be an artist because you know how many artists use projectors or like trace their stuff or like, you know, it's a tool. We're going to use whatever tools are available to us to create stuff, plain and simple. Absolutely. Um, that was a very real fear for me too. And it was stuff that I later realized was silly, like, Oh, I don't individually make each link of my own chain. Like I buy chain by the foot and like cut it to the length I need and put the clasp on there. But one lady had asked me at a show if I make my own chain link by link. And I was like, I don't know what I would have to charge if I did if that. If you were like hand making every single link but on I, a tiny little chain. I In that moment, I felt insecurity about it. And um, recently I started making my own chain links, um, bigger style, you know, for like bracelets and stuff. But like, it's funny how that's a thing that like, I never would have considered making tiny chain links, but felt less than somehow in that moment. Mm -hmm. Um, Ginny said, also trust issues. Negative feels true. Positive feels iffy. When you observe the giving of compliments and then it being retracted behind their backs makes one jumpy. People don't know what's true. That's really something to think about. Yeah. Trust issues. Yeah. Definitely. Jay said, I got my first rejection for an art fest, and I have to say I'm taking it better than I expected because of what you two have said in the past. I realize I just wasn't a fit for them, and I've moved on. That is awesome, Jay. Yeah, that's that's the way to, that's the way to take it. Mm-hmm. And the, the truth is the more – the more rejections you get, the the better you get at dealing with them mm-hmm. and understanding that they're just, you know, it's just part of the process. It's it's part of being awesome, really. Because, like, I would much rather have a bunch of rejections and have tried to do something than to have zero rejections and wish, you know, that I had tried. You know what I mean? Like, one seems to me like a badass. The other one seems to me like somebody who's just whining and, and not trying. You know what I mean? Like We're going to wallpaper our library in rejection yeah. letters. We've decided I'm back on what Ginny said, and I'm really kind of resonating on it because it really can feel like this positive frame of mind and hopefulness and like thinking the best about yourself really can feel like exposing your underbelly and making yourself vulnerable um, especially if there's trust issues with others and even trust issues with yourself. Um, so that, and that's, so embracing vulnerability is super uncomfortable, but it is part of the process of overcoming self-doubt. Yeah. Yeah. Um, really I am, is. I am still so much working on being, being comfortable with being vulnerable in, in my optimism or in my trust. Um, or in sharing it's because it's not easy. It's not easy. It's kind of like, you know, Shan Shan responds here that, yeah, that's true, Ralphie, but I still think that fear is what stops peeps from showing their process. Yes, it is. It is. It absolutely is. It totally is. Um, at the core of it with all of that stuff, it is fear. It is fear, you know, getting, um, being like, oh, you know, where somebody comes in, like you were saying about the projector. You know, then it's like, oh, you know, I did this with a projector. I cheated. So, like, if I show this, will somebody find me out and all this stuff? And it is it is fear at the core of all of it. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's that's basically doubt, insecurity, all that stuff. And at the end of the day, it's just you telling yourself, oh, there might be some truth to this. You know, it's that's that's basically what where it comes up because it's you. It's you telling yourself. 
Yeah, it's whether you decide to accept it. I, um, another thing that happened with me one time was somebody said to me, like, um, oh, you're not doing hand engraving. You're just, like, stamping the characters. You're just stamping the characters. And I'm like, do you know how hard it is to get that right? <laughs> now, in that moment, I was like, oh, yeah, no, no, yeah, I do it that way. Um and I felt totally imposter syndrome over it and insecure. And I was like, wait, that's just two different skill sets. Some people do it one way. I'm doing it this way. Neither one is more or less difficult and neither one is more or less like real or valid. I just do it this way. Cause that, that was like, <laughs> that was like someone, an artist came up to me once there was a piece and um, sometimes I use stencils for words in my pieces and this artist was like, did you use a stencil for that? I was like, yeah. And he was like, oh, man, that's that ruins it. You should have freehanded these letters. I, I yeah. was like, why would I? I knew exactly what the letters were going to be. The artwork is what the artwork is. Um, and I wanted to I wanted it to look like stencils. Why would I freehand stencils if I could just use a damn stencil and get it done a lot quicker? Like. You know, and those are the things, those are the questions that come up. Now, at the time he said that, and then I was like super insecure of it. Oh my God, are the do oh, is this true? Do other people like, cause I use the stencil. And, I, and then I was like, do you know how many artists use stencils in their art and have used stencils? At the end of the day, whatever tools you could use to help you achieve what it is that you want to achieve in a much more productive manner it's still it's not cheating it's just using a tool and not doing it the hard way that's that's where my you know that's where my opinion is i had someone say to me um early on that i should work smarter and not harder um and i was so offended in that moment because there was one particular thing that i was doing that i was making it harder for the sake of making it harder because the other way felt like cheating. Yeah. And so these are all the things that if you stop and think about them, then, you know, if you give them time and you, you sit with this, then you make progress. And Shan Chan is saying, um, yeah, that's true, Rafi, but I still think that fear is what stops peeps from showing their process. Some oh, I already read that, didn't I? That's what I, I read. <laughs> um <laughs> I, I meant to read this one here, which is, I just wish I knew how to help other artists see what we're saying. I could share this, but most peeps won't watch a full podcast and will think it's preachy. I, so I just had a moment of like, is this podcast preachy? Like right. I just got a button pushed just yeah. now. See, that's, that's, and that's how it works. <laughs> that's how it works. Obviously you don't mean anything uh, negative by that. Cause you're here, you're mm -hmm. listening to us. You love uh, the conversations, but then you're like, you know, that's a fear. Well, yeah. what if people find it preachy? Well, guess what? Some people will, some people will, and you have zero control over that. And by the way, Shan Chan, it's totally fine. Yes. Yes. Um, don't, 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 no. But don't also you can't cram this down someone's throat. <laughs> Wendell's like preach. <laughs> um, you can't determine for someone whether they overcome this fear or not. You can lend helpful advice. And I think the best thing you can do is work on it in yourself and then be an example of it. Yeah. Um, but you can't shove this down someone's throat. If someone decides to let their fears and limitations stop them, that's their choice. You can be a lighthouse, but you can't force somebody to overcome anything. Yeah. And so it's a slippery slope when you want to help people. Yeah. And that's the thing. It's like you can't help people. You could just be an example of, you know, how it is that you feel in dealing with these things. Um, because really, if people help themselves, you know, if we set out to do these because I want to help artists, blah, 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 blah. Um it's there's a big difference behind that. There's a lot of pressure there versus I want to share our experiences and our opinions and you take from that what you will. That's pretty much all we can do. Yeah. yeah. Hans said, I take perverse pride in being a shitty artist. <laughs> I love it. I That's love it where too. I'm at too. There's a lot of announcements that I will make where I'm like, I'm about to, like when I go into the studio, I'm about to create a big old piece of crap. Yep. Yeah. I give myself permission <laughs> to do that too. I just want to say hi to Weirdly and I'm so happy you are here. I'm hi, so happy weirdly. to see you. 
Um, yeah, Ginny said, self-taught isn't real artist. Got that one too. Acrylic's not real. That's yeah. another one. A Wendell said, using store-bought brushes is cheating. You're supposed right. to trap the squirrels and steal the tip of their tail and then make the brush <laughs> yourself, right? Or raise horses and then trim their hair tail or their tail, <laughs> whatever. Um, yeah, and you're supposed to, like, grind up bugs and flowers uh, yeah. and things. To yeah, make let's your... grind up a bunch of ladybugs and make some pigment. And you're supposed to, like, weave your own canvas. Bethy from... Bear says, I searched overhead projector and the first picture shows an artist using it to trace a picture. <laughs> mm-hmm, That's hilarious. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. That's hilarious. Um, Aurora said, I just want to try painting at all someday. I never had the money for supplies. Living with a slightly snobby artist of a hubby has me too intimidated to try, though. <laughs> I get that. I, I, I get that. Not because I... What are you trying to say? Have... <laughs> <laughs> I um I get that it's it's the the thing about it is like that's fine and sometimes I will be honest with you sometimes you have to just do what you're going to do and educate the snobs you know I when- I wanted to do t-shirts that was like free the art snobs you know like free them from their own groups of people that are snobby cuz that's the problem they live in this snobby window Sometimes it is about yeah. educating Yeah I will say, um, maybe uh, early on, you were uncomfortable with music around me. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Um, I don't know if I was a music snob. I guess I was at some point in my life. Uh, Or if you just perceived me in a certain way because... I I think it was a combination of both. But mostly, honestly, the only thing that I could take responsibility for is my own perception. Yeah. You know, and... We both grew together, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, and, And that took... Having those uncomfortable conversations and just doing it, it can be uncomfortable, definitely. Yeah. Um, let's see. Barbara said, every time I wanted to pursue a new passion, dance, theater, screenwriting, art, my mother would comment, there are thousands trying who can't make a living at it. What makes you so special? Dude, that that's one that I've heard. Yeah, I've heard um, that one. I've heard that one too. Yeah. Uh, and it wasn't until later in my life that I started challenge. So I challenge back. So when somebody makes a statement like that, I'm like, really? So do you know them? Do you know all these people that are trying to do this thing? Or are you just coming up with some weird statistic that you're just making up or you heard somewhere or somebody mentioned? Like, do you know artists or dancers or musicians who are trying and are not making it? Or are you just saying this because it makes you feel better? And that's, that's, you know, I, I, I got to a point because back in the day, like those statements would hurt me. Mm -hmm. And then I realized like, wait a second, I don't have to like buy into it. They're, they're presenting me with some bull crap. And then I'm supposed to take that as truth. I'm like, no, No. That's why they weren't doing it because they were too afraid. And there is the misconception of what those starving artists' lives look like who can't make it. And also, I think it's fun to say something in response to that. Like, uh, you know, the thing that makes me special is that I'm too stupid to know to quit. Yeah. (laughs) Me too. (laughs) I'm too stupid to know when to throw in the towel. So I'm just going to keep at this thing until I die. (laughs) I used to be too stupid to keep going. Right. Thinking that you had to follow the path in a certain way and then realizing that whatever, that you just have to persist through the suck. You just got to keep going. Mm-hmm. Um, and now I'm too stupid to quit. So that's that's perfectly put. Being too stupid to quit can really take you places. Yeah, It really can. It and can. it's amusing to think about. Shan Chan said, oh, no, I meant the concept of me telling them and trying to help. Lol, yes, preach. I'm here for it, though. And um, the person I want to help may not be here for it. Yeah. 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 And that's 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 the thing. It's like you – I have always been very, very careful. Even though we have a community and I love, I love presenting artists with – information and stuff like that. But I also have to be careful because it is easy for me to fall into a trap where then I want to help someone Mm -hmm. despite them. You know, it's like you really, really have to get into the mindset of like people help themselves. All you could do is present them with the information. 
Um, because if not, it can become a very uh, toxic relationship. And what was most important to me, to us, was to not create a toxic relationship with the this thing that we love. We love sharing this information and we love you guys and we love stuff like that. Yeah. So it's like you can't do the hand-holding. You can only show by example and present information. And if somebody's going to argue with you and say, no, it's not possible. No, it's this, you know, because we run into that all the time too. The hardest thing to do is tell someone that things are possible when they are at the bottom of a downward spiral, because at that point they want to lash out at everything. They want to fight for their limitations. They want to fight for their limitations. And if you get too personally involved where you're trying to coddle them it's it's going to strain you it's going to it's going to have an impact on your own it is like swallowing hot coals it is like swallowing hot coals yeah. so just understand and they may come out of that and then you know it'll be a different story but like there's only so much you could do because people really really have the power to help themselves mm -hmm. and it's important to look at stuff like that because self doubt kind of works its way into that too um, because if I was better, I could help this person. Yeah. If I was better, I could help <laughs> this person. But also if you're looking at them as, oh, they need help in order to be able to whatever, then you're kind of limiting your point of view, right? Cause this is what we do, what I say, what I think this is, this is possible for everybody. Everybody has this within them. Everybody does. And I have to look at it in that way because if not, then I have something special about me that I'm really, you know, so, and I'm not saying that that's your approach, Chan Chan, but I'm just saying that's the thing you got to be careful with. Yeah. You, you really got to, it's a tricky, it's a slippery slope. It's a slippery slope. It really, it really is. Um, Jenny said, I freehand stenciled my war is not healthy painting because I didn't have any stencils and I would not like to do that again. <laughs> that's, that's where I'm at. I did freehand stencil some work and immediately after I did that, I went out and bought stencils. Or made your own. I've seen you make your own stencils. Yeah, I'll stencils. make my own stencils. But when it comes to words, I just, I buy, I buy store-bought stencils. Yeah. Yeah. On hand said, it's funny how we like to think there's a right and wrong way in all things. I know I do it too. It's an easy trap to fall it into. It is. It yeah. is. And you just have to be vigilant with yourself. And sometimes you catch it after the fact. But it's just kind of like, you know, is this a limiting belief? Is this thing that I'm thinking limiting me to having to do something, trapping myself mm -hmm. into doing something a certain way. And you know, I catch myself doing that all the time on hand. So it's not, it's just, it's just pervasive. Yeah. For me, it's like, does this idea make me feel crappy? Uh, if so, I should probably chuck this idea. Um, and Shan Chan said, Hey, Klee, push, push, push all the buttons. It's good. <laughs> I love it. I love investigating the buttons because that's how you learn what's going on in there. Wendell's like, got to grow your own cotton and linen. Yeah. Yep. Otherwise, what are you even doing? Yeah. You're not even, and you have to use uh, tacks. You can't use staples. On and the you have to your, make the tacks. And you have to make the tacks. Mm -hmm. So. Yeah. Why don't we all just quit now? We'll never <laughs> even get a canvas built. Um, Naomi said, consistency has been doubt I encounter that's different than the normal self-doubt. When I might have some kind of confidence over one project, the new one will surely come with a new self-doubt. Whether it's a new business idea or a new painting idea, I seem to not trust in the consistent inconsistency. Um, that's a pretty concise way to say that. Uh -huh. And I don't know a workaround for it except to get comfortable in discomfort because every new venture feels uncomfortable. Yes. It always will. That's the thing. That's the thing. Like a lot of people want to like overcome this fear and doubt, you know, and I'll mm -hmm. leave you guys on this. They want to overcome this fear and doubt. And it's a lifelong thing. Mm -hmm. It is. It is fear and doubt. Um, when it comes to your art career, your life or anything else, it's like an infinite onion. Yeah. You peel a layer off and then there's another layer. Right. But because within that you're making progress, you are expanding, you are growing. But you peel that layer off and there's always another layer. Peel that layer off, there's always another layer of fear and doubt that's going to be there. Mm -hmm. But it's confronting those things, you know. The, the biggest thing that I've gotten out of, out of being an artist is that I, in doing this and putting myself out there, I've had to face fear and doubt. I've had to push myself out of comfort zones that I was 
very comfortable being within, you know, that this, this thing was scary. I had to do scary things. I had to take risks. And, um, that has been such a growing experience for me where not only do I feel confident with my art, but I feel much more confident with myself and my decisions. And that's the beauty of being an artist. It's like you are creating stuff that is personal to you and you are putting it out there. You are coming up with ideas for new things and you're putting it out there. You're coming up with ways of putting yourself out there. You are reaching out and like submitting to juried shows or to galleries and you are facing rejection. So you are, you are doing things that typically people don't have the opportunity to do is you're constantly facing rejections. You're constantly trying new things. You're constantly thinking about ways of, of putting your stuff out there. You're constantly expanding and growing. You're, you're pushing, you're experimenting. You are trying new things in your art. You're trying new things in your life. You're creating spaces for it. You're presenting yourself in a certain way. And all of that brings with it imposter syndrome, fear, doubt, insecurity, all of that stuff. And I, the biggest thing that I am most proud of in my art career is my evolution and my growth Mm -hmm. in this entire process. Like just how I feel about knowing myself more because I have pushed out of comfort zones, because I know that I'm afraid, because I accept myself for being, you know, not, not perfect. Although in being not perfect, For the eyes of everyone else, but knowing full well that I am perfect at being me, you know, and I'm getting even more perfect at being me because I'm getting to know myself. And all of that has happened because I decided to put myself out there as an artist, you know, bam, unique. That's awesome. Yeah. And I will say my final thoughts are a slightly variance of that, which is. For me, it's been my experience that the discomfort and the doubt don't go away. And that sounds all dystopian. Um, But I can say that in the beginning of my creative journey, I didn't trust myself at all. I didn't trust myself to overcome obstacles. I didn't trust any decision that I would make. I didn't trust my own judgment on things. And that's what's changed is that I have learned to trust myself and I've learned to believe in my own capability to navigate challenges. And that's huge for me, just in the personal growth arena and as a creative. This journey has taught me how to trust myself, but it's still a work in progress. And I love this term that we've coined, getting comfortable in discomfort, because when you are forward moving, which you are, you are always going to be facing one thing or another that's going to come with discomfort and self-doubt. But if you can build a solid foundation of trusting in yourself by showing yourself over time that you are hella capable and trustworthy and you're in good hands, you're in your own good hands, um, that is going to be like a game changer. Yeah. Uh, So I'm on that journey. If you're on that journey too, uh, that is awesome. If you're already there and you wholeheartedly trust yourself, that is flipping amazing. Um, and so those are my final thoughts for this podcast. That's perfect. Let's read the, the final things here and then we'll sign off with everybody. Uh, Bethy said, I was told girls couldn't be architects when I was a kid. People just sucked. To- yeah, that's ridiculous. I see a new t-shirt, too stupid to quit. Oh, I like that. Actually, I do like that. I would definitely be wearing too stupid to quit. Oh, too I will, stupid I will, to quit. Uh, I will hella wear that t-shirt. I'm definitely. writing that. I am designing that today. When I said it, I didn't picture a t-shirt, but excellent. Thank you for throwing that out there. <laughs> um, Shan Chan said, I like that. Just be an example. Yeah. Uh, And Shan Chan said, it's always uncomfortable when you are growing. So the way to grow consistently is to get comfortable with being Being uncomfortable. uncomfortable. Exactly. Great minds. Exactly. Um, People always chase the idea of knowing themselves, but you should never be static enough to know. Right. The work's never done, is it? Lisa's here. Hi, Lisa. Hi, Lisa. 
I pushed out of the safe zone and taught myself to chainsaw carve last week, and it made my heart pound with excitement in my earmuffs, and that's what it's all about. Do it while you can. No regrets. Boom. So good. Wendell wants one of those shirts. You want one of those shirts? Sign me up for a t-shirt. I am. I will. I will. I would buy that. Yeah, awesome. I'm, I'm definitely creating that. I'm creating that today. I'm going to create that today because I'm really excited about that. Too stupid to quit. That's perfect. Laura said, until we let go of what we think others want and embrace our own true vision, we are incapable of creating our best work. Boom. So good, Laura. That is so good. Weirdly says, yeah, I would buy that. <laughs> Barbara said, sign me up. Thanks, everyone. <laughs> I want one, too. I'd buy that for a dollar. <laughs> too stupid to quit. Well, thank you guys so much for being here in this podcast. This was this was a great conversation. These are these are the the bonfire conversations that that I really love getting involved in is like because at the core of it for me it's all about imposter syndrome it's all about fear it's all about all Mm -hmm. this stuff and really at the core of your art career it's the same thing because every aspect of it whether it's creating art or putting yourself out there is it's all facing these things within Mm -hmm. us the doubts and insecurities that we have within us so thank you guys so much for being here. You guys are absolutely amazing. And everybody listening at home, thank you so much. Uh, if you like this and you're listening to this and whatever platform you're on, you would like to subscribe so you stay updated on where we're at and when we post. We try to post one of these once a week. Uh, go ahead and do that. And other than that, would you like to say goodbye, Clee? Good day. Adios.